Hello and welcome to The Breakdown, your short, sweet, and digestible guide to public policy issues facing the country today. I'm your host, Brian Phillips, with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. For more information on today's topic and just about any issue that you might read or tweet or post or hear about, check us online at texaspolicy.com. Today, we're going to break down an issue that affects over 43 million Americans, and that is student debt. According to the U.S. Department of Education, borrowers owe just over $1.6 trillion. And while the typical debate centers on forgiving those loans, student loan forgiveness, today we're going to talk to Andrew Gillen, and he's going to break down one of the ways in which people got there in the first place. Your degree is garbage, and you can't get a job. Here to help us through that cold, hard fact is TPPS senior policy analyst, Andrew Gillen, who is with who is an expert on reforming financial aid and has new research available now on our website called Lessons from Gainful Employment. And he's going to help us unpack exactly what that is. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks. Thanks. Great to be here. Well, first, I'd like to have our audience uh, know a little bit about our guest. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, kind of how you got into this work in the first place um, and how you came to you know, be interested in studying you know, higher education in general, but then this idea of, of financial aid and, and financing education? Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I went to uh, college in, in Ohio, where I'm from. And I later on went to grad school. And as I was finishing up grad school, one of my old professors from, from my college in Ohio was starting a think tank that was focused on higher education policy. Um, and so he needed, uh, he needed to build out his staff and the timing was, was great. He was a, a great professor when I was a student and he was a great mentor when I worked for him. Um, and so I've, I've basically been studying higher education policy ever since. Uh, and given my training as an economist, I've sort of gravitated towards these more quantitative uh, aspects of, of higher education, like the federal financial aid programs, the returns to college, uh, those those kinds of uh, questions. You know, student debt has always been kind of an issue for people, or at least, you know, the people talk about not being able to afford college or, you know, having to pay off their loans. But it really is, a, you know, a top two, top three issue, kitchen table issue, really, for families uh, and certainly for students. Um, was it like that back when you first started to get interested in it? Or has this kind of exploded over the last five or 10 years? You know, one of the first uh, charts that I remember doing, and this must have been about 15 years ago, uh, was basically just looking at how easy it was to pay for college, uh, you know, a few decades ago compared to today. And so the way I did it was I said, okay, how many hours would you have to work at the minimum wage to be able to afford tuition? Mm -hmm. And, you know, three, four decades ago, you could basically work over the summer at a minimum wage job and earn enough money to then pay for the, to, to go to school the next year. Mm -hmm. uh, and that hasn't been true for a long time, but I feel like a lot of, of the kind of older generations haven't really made that uh, realization, haven't had that realization yet that the way they might've been able to pay for college isn't relevant anymore. Right. And that's a great segue into, you know, you're talking about working in order to pay for college. Um, your new research, Lessons from Gainful Employment, is actually about working after you go to college. And specifically, um, if you get a certain degree, what kind of work can you expect to get into? And will it provide, you know, this idea of gainful employment, will it provide you uh, with the salary that you need to, you know, just 
keep a roof over your head. But then, of course, how does that how does that impact your ability to pay off your student loans? And so, but but there's a much more uh, technical definition, right, to this idea of gainful employment that's actually written into the law. So, can you unpack that for us a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So in the in the Higher Education Act, which is the main uh, federal legislation that that determines how higher how how federal financial aid programs are are allocated, uh, there's a provision in there that references uh, a requirement that programs must prepare their students for gainful employment. Uh, so, so gainful employment is a requirement, but it has not been defined uh, for about thirty years. Uh, and so, so what happened in uh, 2010 was the Obama administration decided that they were going to go ahead and define that. Uh, and so the, the way they defined it was a, a program that led to gainful employment uh, was such that you had to be able to be able to afford to repay your loans. So if the median student, the median graduate from this program could not afford to repay their, their student loans, uh, then the, by definition, that program was not providing gainful employment. And so, so that's, that's the sort of the, the historical background, uh, for, on, on the legislative side. Now the regulations themselves actually went through a few iterations. So the, the first 2010. Before, iteration, before you jump into that, I want to make yeah. sure people understand that, that there were consequences, right? Like you, you wouldn't be able to use your student loan money to go to those colleges or to, or to, um, major in those programs, right? Like there was, there was a consequence, correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the whole idea behind these, uh, these regulations were that once you identified these programs where students were graduating with excessive debt, uh, the Department of Education would then cut those programs off from any future Pell Grant money or student loan money. Okay. Uh, and so it wouldn't, it wouldn't force the programs to close, uh, but most of those programs would have to close uh, because without those two sources of, of uh, revenue for, uh, uh, for the colleges, it's very difficult for, for colleges to stay in business. Got it. Okay. So the Obama administration starts to, starts to look at this again, and then what? Yeah, so the so the initial version in, in 2010 was thrown out by the courts. Uh, Obama administration introduces a new version in 2014. Uh, it survives a court challenge, uh, goes into effect, but it takes a couple years for the department to start collecting the relevant data, uh, doing the relevant analysis. So the first actual data release uh, was during very early in the Trump administration. And that was actually, or just prior to the Trump administration, actually, um, and uh, and that was the only the only release the Department of Education did. So the the Trump administration then rescinded the regulations. Fast forward a few more years, the Biden administration is now in power, and what they're thinking of doing is is basically reimposing the gainful employment regulation. So you, you at least have one year or one set of data that you can look at uh, to try and evaluate whether or not these these colleges and universities are actually providing. Providing educations, which will lead to you know so-called gainful employment, and then, and what, one of the things that really stands out about your research, one of the I mean, what I call the the smoking gun here, is that uh, and go and go into a little bit about this, but this idea that um, you know you would think what a great tool I'm going to have all this data to look at to say well if I major in underwater basket weaving at the University of Texas, it turns out you can't make a whole lot of money doing that. Um, but the reality is is that not all of these colleges and universities were actually included in the evaluation. Talk to us a little bit about that. 
Yes, and and this is my my fundamental objection to gainful employment as it was implemented uh, is is that it was really selectively targeted. Uh, so the the idea behind it was we're going to hold colleges accountable for their outcomes. Sounds great, totally on board with that. Uh, but then they only applied that accountability to certain colleges, and they they really singled out the the for profit colleges uh, to to uh, be subject to the to these regulations. Um, and so so to me that's a mistake because when you w- one of the things that we were able to do with in our in our most recent study was we looked at okay what would happen if you applied gainful employment to all of higher education not just the uh, the, the for profits uh, and what we found is that there's failing programs at public universities, there's failing programs at private nonprofits, and there's failing programs at for-profits. So there's not one segment of higher education that needs accountability. We need accountability in all of higher education. Mm -hmm. And so what what did you looked at this and and what did you, what would the public find? What did you find if you look at all of these schools? Yeah. So when, uh, when the initial gainful employment data came out, so this is the, this is the Obama administration, uh, data, uh, what it found was that 98% of failing programs were at for-profit colleges. And again, that was because they were basically only looking at for-profit colleges. <laughs> um, and, and so if you're only looking yeah, at the yeah, yeah. they're all, all the failing programs are there. That makes total sense. Yeah, exactly. Well, so like the, the people who followed higher education sort of knew that that was, the reason that 98% of failing programs were, uh, were, were at for-profits, but people within the broader policy community didn't realize that. And they looked at that and they said, oh, well, look, if, if we're worried about student loan debt, problematic student loan debt, it's really only found at the for-profits. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was just a total misinterpretation of, of, of what the data was actually sh- showing. The data was showing that if you only look at for-profits, you're only going to find failures at for-profits. Uh, and you know, so, putting my conspiracy so, hat on, I, you know, I might say yeah. it, it could possibly have been intentional, but we'll, we'll leave that for another show. So, so once, you th- once you actually evaluated um, all of the schools, what did you find? Yeah. So once once you subject uh, gainful employment to all of the all of the uh, colleges, you find that instead of ninety eight percent of failing programs being at for profits, it's actually eleven percent, uh, which is just a, like we're talking percentages here. Like it's hard to be off by that much. <laughs> and of course, the the flip side of that, what you're saying there is that eighty nine percent of all the failing programs and colleges were in fact at the nonprofits and or private nonprofits and public schools. Exactly. Yes. Are they or were this were the you know just not, not okay? We we don't have to go too much into the conspiracy here, but but did you find that there was some uh, uh, you know attempt by the college? I mean, that just seems so obvious. Like, was there an attempt to game the system? Were there you know the 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 big universities like Harvard and Texas and and you know others? Did they have did they have the lobbyists that that you know worked over the Obama administration? Is there any evidence that there was you know some kind of uh, foul play there? So I don't think they actually needed to do anything. I th- I think the Obama administration was sort of willing to do this on their own. So so if you look at, and and the 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 clue here is the original 2010 uh, regulations. Um because in that version, so again that's the version that the courts threw out. One of the reasons the courts threw it out was because it would have required any for-profit college new program uh to get Department of Education sign off. 
So this is literally requiring colleges to go to the Department of Education and ask for permission to offer, say, a new program in nursing. Uh, and this is just so completely foreign to the way uh, government should operate and higher education has operated historically. Um, and so so th- to me, that was a really big tell that this was largely a tool to try and hurt the for-profit sector. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm for holding all of higher education accountability. And if that's mm-hmm. going to disproportionately hurt the for-profits, so be it. Uh, I just want the same rules being applied to everybody. Right. Again, uh, we're, we're talking with uh, Andrew Gillen. He's a senior policy analyst at the Texas Public Policy Foundation for Higher Education. He's got new research out called Lessons from Gainful Employment, and you can find that research uh, on our website. While we have uh, TexasPolicy.com, while we have a couple more minutes left, um, you know, a lot of folks on the right, on conservatives, maybe, you know, even farther, you know, libertarian friends might say, you know, caveat emptor, buyer beware. You know, like if, if you don't know that, that you can't make any money being, you know, majoring in underwater basket weaving, you know, that's on you. And if you take out a bunch of money, then, um, you know, that's just your fault for, for getting a bad education and you should know better. Um, w- the government shouldn't be involved in that. What is your, what is your uh, response to them? Because you do have some recommendations we'll get into a little bit later. But what do you, what do you make of that argument that like, you know, people should just know better and if they don't, it's on them? Yeah, so there's there's really two responses here. So I'm I'm completely sympathetic to that argument in in most cases. Um, higher education is is kind of unique in, in two respects. So the first is that for until until about three years ago, um, we basically did not provide students and parents with enough information to actually make informed decisions. Um, so yeah, you and I aren't necessarily surprised that you know there's a lot of majors out there who who that that are not going to be a good financial return. But that's surprising to a lot of people. Like a lot of people are basically just hearing the oh you got to go to college, college is a ticket to the middle class, um, and that's all they've heard. Uh, and unless they know somebody who's majored in one of these uh, uh, these unemployable fields uh, and and struggled, they they don't necessarily know. Uh, that, that that's the case. Now, that has started to change. So we, we are starting to see a lot more data on labor market outcomes, particularly earnings data. Uh, and so hopefully, you know, as that filters into the broader uh, kind of guidance counselor, college going personal finance writer communities, hopefully we'll, we'll see a lot uh, more um, uh, in improvement in, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the second, the second thing that makes, uh, the kind of the, the buyer beware angle a little dangerous in higher education is that to a large extent, uh, they aren't spending their own money. Uh, so they're really spending public, uh, taxpayer money. Uh, and so, so this is, this is a problem because we're, we're essentially, uh, the, the federal government is essentially providing this loan, which sort of gives you uh, the government's stamp of approval that this is a good idea for you to borrow this money and go and major in, in, this, uh, in, in this field. Uh, and what we're finding is that in a lot of cases, that's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, students should not be counting on, on being able to be able to uh, afford to repay those debts. And, and that's going to leave the students in a bad situation. And it's also going to leave taxpayers in bad situation because when those students don't repay those debt that debt over the next couple of decades the taxpayers are ultimately the ones who pick up the tab for that so what can policymakers do what can the Biden administration do to protect uh, 
taxpayers. I can't honestly can't believe I've, I'm even saying that Biden would care about protecting taxpayers. But here we are. What, what could what in your terms um, or in your mind, what recommendations would you suggest uh, that policymakers look at in order to protect taxpayers? But also just in general, this idea of, uh, you know, pr- transparency and accountability in higher education. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think number one is is exactly what you said, that that transparency. Transparency is so key. Uh, we, we are providing students with, with much more information than we used to. Uh, we can continue to expand on that. Uh, and I would love to see that because the more informed decision making we get going on, the less need there is for, for government interference uh, with with the economy and, and, and higher education in general. Uh, now, to the extent that the government is going to provide funding, uh, so that's through the federal financial aid programs and through state uh, state direct funding of universities, there is a strong argument that you also need to then have accountability for that funding. Uh, and so in terms of accountability, I actually like two things about the, the gainful employment regulations. So one was that it was the first time that the, the, the government accountability mechanisms focused on the program level rather than the institution level. Mm-hmm. And that's really key because the, the program is sort of like a nursing major, uh, a bachelor's degree in nursing at uh, University of Austin, Texas. So that, that would be a program, whereas the, the institution as a whole is like the University of, of Texas as Austin. Um, and so, so focusing on those programs uh, helps avoid punishing high-performing uh, programs that happen to be at underperforming institutions and vice versa. It avoids letting low-performing programs that happen to be at, at high-performing institutions escape accountability. So really using a scalpel than, than an ax to get to the accountability part. Exactly, exactly. Um, and it's also less of a threat to the universities, right? Because uh, accountability right now is so scarce because if you hold an institution accountability you're, you're basically withholding all federal financial aid funding, which means you're basically killing the institution. Right. Um, whereas if you're saying, no, no, we're, we're just identifying these three programs where the students are, are, are not having satisfactory outcomes, that's not going to kill the institution. In fact, it frees up resources for that institution to focus on the things that they're doing well. So that's, that's uh, uh, number one is, is kind of keep with the, keep with the program level focus. Uh, the second thing that Gainful Employment did right, in my opinion, was uh, it included uh, earnings data. Uh, and so about 90% of students go to college to get a better job, earn more money, advance their career, some something pretty vocationally oriented. Uh, but up until Gainful Employment, the, the federal government had never taken labor market outcomes into account. Uh, so so I do I do like that aspect of, of gainful employment. So my main my main recommendation would be build on those two. Uh, but avoid making the the mistake of selectively targeting disfavored sectors of higher education. Just apply your accountability mechanism universally, and I'll be happy. Is the dream is the you know is the the plan here to to allow you to put this data together? You or the government or you know outside third party folks like TPPF um, to put together this data so that maybe there's a website where um, you know students and families can go and look and and take a look and see which programs are actually providing a return on investment. Yeah, and in fact, that work has already started. So we we have a version of that website up 
on the on the TPPF website. I encourage our, our listeners to to go check it out. Uh, we're going to be updating that with the most recent data. So the the Department of Education just recently released some some new data. So it'll take us a little while to to get that imported into the into the web tool. Uh, but that'll be up. And and then other groups are doing this as well. So there's I, by my count, I would say there's half a dozen groups now that have put out really interesting work. Uh, really kind of exploring, hey, uh, what would an accountability system using this new data look like? And we're all coming up with different metrics. We're all defining, you know, acceptable versus unacceptable outcomes uh, uh, differently. And that's great because, you know, we're learning from each other and and hopefully within the next uh, year or two, we're going to see some very, very promising policy uh, policies implemented at both the state and the federal level. Well, that may not necessarily help the current... 43 million Americans that owe $1.6 trillion in debt, but hopefully for the next uh, batch of students over the next years and next decades, hopefully they will have the information, be armed with the right information uh, to make those better decisions. Uh, Andrew Gillen, thank you so much for being on with us. Again, Andrew Gillen is a senior policy analyst with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Thank you for being on, Andrew. Oh, it's been great. Thanks. And thank you for listening. Thank you.